reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. The word of the Lord. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is what I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Elizabeth. Friends, Jesus names it in that passage. There's an offense that they're talking about. There's an offense of what we believe and what we believe. There are really painful truths um, that we hold on to that we that we uh, acknowledge and believe and many will turn away because of, in one sense, the offense of it, as so many of the disciples did. There's also hope. There's also life. And as we climb into the depths in today's passage, my prayer is that we will come through into the light, to see the great thing that our God has done, and to experience his light and life in the midst of the pain and sadness. If you would turn with me to one of the most controversial texts in the Bible, it's Genesis 22. And if you don't know what Genesis 22 is, it's the binding of Isaac or the sacrifice of Isaac. That's what this, that's what this story is all about. The, the figure we meet here is Abraham. And Abraham is an old man, a very old man, and he was living in a far-off land. Uh, well, to us, very doubly far-off, but to him, a different land. And God said, hey, I'm going to use you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless the world through you, but you must come follow me. Leave your home, take your family, and move. Now, the, the, the thing is, Abraham had no kids. He was old, his wife was old, his family, like, he didn't have an heir. And the Lord promised just that. And so he left everything and followed the Lord. And he waited many years for the fulfillment of that promise. And the final fulfillment of that promise is Isaac, this little boy that's born to Sarah in her old age when her body is unable to continue to have kids. Here comes Lazarus going into their lives. There are a couple of characters in this text that we're going to look at, Abraham being one, Isaac being another, and as Greg has mentioned earlier, we are taking this Advent season to look at the angel of the Lord and what he is and what he's done um, throughout the Old Testament. 
So those are the three characters we're going to be staring at this morning. Let me read this text, and then we'll pray. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood from the, for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, his son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place. The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Let's pray and dive in. Heavenly Father, would you help us? Would you be with us? as we dive into the agony of this text. And would you show your love to us and remind us of what you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. i got to give you a little bit of history of my experience with this text because it's a little fascinating and I think somewhat revealing. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved the Bible. I really did. And I would read it regularly. And uh, I would read about this passage, and I would think of the end as I was reading the beginning, and of Abraham being the man of faith, and long to be like Abraham. Not that I would have to ever give up any of my sons, but that I wanted to be like the man of faith, a hero of the Bible. And as I got went to Covenant College, we started getting into some text-critical stuff around this passage, um, which I will not be going in here <laughs> into today. Um, and we engaged this text on a very um, educational level. 
And then I got to Covenant Seminary, and I heard the best sermon I think I've ever heard on this passage from Jace Flar, as he talked about um, the original audience, the people who would have heard it first, and how the call of we can trust our God is so eminent. And then in 2018, everything changed for me in this passage. Because on June 1st of 2018, I had a son. I became a father. I, be, I became a, um, a father. And uh, I remember when um, I was laying on the um, bed, we were doing some, Asher and I, my son, his name is Asher, he's now four. Um, we were doing something that I would have never thought I would ever do, which was skin to skin, where you hold your son or your daughter close to your own skin and they get to know your body and your scent. And, and your and your and your skin and it comforts them and it gives them love and I was I was holding this little guy and I remember thinking you know what if a bear walked into this room right now I would tear it to pieces I would maul it if anything ever tried to hurt this little boy even like today he's he's five or four he'll be five in January in, in June but um, even today like when He's trying to talk to someone, and they don't hear him very well, and then they ignore him. My heart hurts for him. Because I want everybody to just love my little boy, to see him, and to care about him more than anything else. And I want his other five- or four-year-old friends to have the same, ex the same exact experience with them, to, like, see him and care about him as an adult. And I can't expect that of a four-year-old. You know, um, when he was first born, he was born a month early, and he was uh, yellow with jaundice, and so he had to be put underneath this heat lamp, and we had to stay the night for three nights, ex three extra nights in the hospital as he cleared the jaundice. And I, some of you guys are parents, um, many of you are parents, but uh, they had these little goggles over his eyes because if he looked at the light, he could go blind, at least that's what the nurse told me. And that's all the nurse had to tell me to give me sleepless nights. Uh, I was like, man, I cannot sleep. Every time I'm like looking over at him to make sure that those goggles aren't slipping down because babies move their heads a little bit and the goggles slip down. And I was terrified of that little boy going blind. I was terrified of anything happening to him. And friends, I love the Lord. I really love the Lord. I think our God is a beautiful, wonderful, powerful God who shows us his love in incredible ways. And I get to this passage, and I just, I just become undone. I can't take it. Soren Kierkegaard wrote a, wrote a book called Fear and Trembling, and in it he just is looking over and over and over again at this, this scene of Abraham being told to kill his son, to offer his son as a, a sacrifice. And Soren Kierkegaard says this, and I think it's so true, and it speaks to the offense of this text. He says, if Abraham was a true hero, if he was a true hero that we would recognize and extol, what he would have done is he would have walked up to Moriah. He would have built the altar. He would have put the sticks on the altar. He would have climbed up on the sticks. He would have taken the knife, and he would have yelled out in a great voice, Lord, this is not the best I can give you, but I can't give him to you. So accept this old, fragile sacrifice. He would have driven the knife into his own gut. 
and he would have been the sacrifice. And he would have gone down for ages to be a great hero. That's not what Abraham does. Abraham does something far more horrible and far more tragic and reflects an even greater love that I will never understand. But I am a beneficiary of. We're going to slowly go, well, not slowly, we're going to quickly go through this text and look at what happens. First, the Lord says to Abraham, here's what you are to do. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him here, there as burnt offering. Let's, let's emphasize the love that Abraham has for his son. God says it, God sees it, and God makes it painfully clear that it's true. You love this kid. Now go and take him and sacrifice him. And so Abraham wakes up early in the morning, and I can imagine it was a sleepless night, a tossing and turning. And he does a couple of things that he would have not done in years. Abraham's a man of at least 300 servants, at least 300 capable, able-bodied men. He does not have to ever child. He does not ever have to saddle a donkey. He doesn't ever have to do the few things that he does in this text. We don't really know why he does them. But perhaps he just can't handle idleness in this moment. And he has to be the one to chop the wood and saddle the donkey. And he does it all out of order. He first saddles the donkey and then he chops the wood. And, and you can just get the sense that this man is in agony. As any father or anyone who loves somebody that's being offered up would. We would make a scream. Let me do it if I have to do it. And then we have to wait three days. And then finally he sees the place. The Lord says, that's it. And him and, and um, Isaac have the awful walk up the mountain. Now, I want to name this difference because it's important. My son is five, is four. Isaac was, <laughs> yeah, I'm really getting confused. My guys, I guess. He's four. He's four. Sam. Asher's four. Um. My son is four. He's not an able-bodied person. He couldn't, he couldn't carry a load of sticks. He has a hard enough time carrying six sticks up, up a mountain. Isaac, Isaac's not a five-year-old. He needs more than anything for his dad to be trustworthy. You know, he's, he's a mature kid, strong, strong son, able to go on this journey with Abraham. So there's, there's emotional distance distance between what I experience with my son and what Abraham would experience with his son. I've not been a father of a teen. Some of you have. Some of you are mothers of teens. I can't imagine it being very different. You would know. And as they walk up this 
up this mountain, Isaac brutally breaks the silence by asking, Hey, Dad, could you imagine? Could you, could you imagine? You're going to go kill him? You have it in your heart. You're set. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do it. And he looks at you and says, Hey, Dad, what's the, what's the deal? Looks like we're missing something. Guys, like, I know that the lamb is there. I know that the, that the angel of the Lord is going to stop it all. And I know that Abraham has faith in his God. But that question, where's the lamb? That's got to tear you to bits. That's got to tear you to bits. And he responds, the Lord will provide. Is he trying to um, hide what he's going to do? Does he believe that the Lord is going to provide? Is he hoping beyond hope that the Lord would provide? I don't know. I don't know. But they keep going. And then the text gets really slow. There's a bunch of uh, ands. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Then there's an and here too, though it's not in, in um, our translation. And bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The text wants you to take it slow. It wants you to feel the agony, the sadness, the pain, the desperation, and the depth of darkness that happens here. And then the angel of the Lord, who shows up all up throughout the Old Testament, we believe that he's the second person of the the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity, yells from he heaven and says, hey, stop. Stop. Now I know. Now I see your faith. And I'm just left like scratching my head like, what? This was a test? What? What? Now, now, now you're going to stop me? And it, was all for, it was all just so that you could see that I had faith? What? And the agony mixed with joy in that circumstance where Abraham is relieved he's not killing his son, but has just traumatized his kid and traumatized himself and experienced all the weight and sadness and pain of this scene. For what? For what? He's hailed as the father of faith. Father of faith. Friends, do not covet. Do not covet accolades. Be the father of of faith is not something that I ever want. I don't think I could go through with what Abraham had to do. The good news is I never will have to. When the angel of the Lord says stop, when the angel of the Lord sees it all, I believe the reason that he gives us this text is to show us what it will be like for him and for his father. For in roughly 2,500 years, 
in the writing of this text. There's going to be another father who's going to look at a son and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the son that I love. And it's going to be God the Father, and he's going to be looking at his son after the baptism. And he's going to make that declaration. And Jesus is going to begin his ministry. And for three years, Jesus is going to be the beloved son of God. The lamb, the man of sorrows, calling to himself, healing the sick, doing what pleases the father. And then the father is going to watch his son ascend a hill with a, with a, a bundle of branches, a, a cross on his back, bloodied and destroyed and disfigured. And that son is going to ascend to the top of this hill. He's going to be nailed to this cross, and he's going to be hung in the sky for all to see. And as they watch, they jeer, and they mock, and they laugh. And the father is watching. The son he loves. And then he has to pour out all of his wrath on his boy. And brothers and sisters, there's no angel of the Lord to say, stop. There's no one to stop it. And the son dies, crying out, why have you forsaken? Oh, you've forsaken me. My God, my God. My father, my father. It is that scene that is the cost of precious love for you, brethren. Don't look at the Father as a monster. Look at the Father in deep agony, putting to death his Son, that he may have you, that the Son may have you. Oh, what wondrous love is this for you and for me, because the Son, Christ the King, came and died and was offered in the place of us, we will never experience this sadness, this agony. And the Lord will never say to you, you must go sacrifice your son, because the Lord has already sacrificed his own. He's already accepted another sacrifice. Instead, he says, now follow me. Friends, it's the offense of the gospel. It's the offense of the gospel that the father kills his son out of love for you. Would we take a moment to look at ourselves and see the sinfulness of ourselves that caused this tragic scene and the love of God the Father and the Son for you that they would willingly say for you Father and Son will endure That's the agony of this text, brothers and sisters. And there's many other meanings, or there's many other directions that you could do to preach this one. There's many other other scenes, and, and the, the story is complex. But as a father, this is all I could think about all week. There's a father that loved me so much, he gave up his own son for me. And I wouldn't want him to do it. I couldn't do it for you. 
you get a PhD? Give up me. Give up you. And so when we go and take his bread and his blood, remember. Remember the pain. Remember the offense of the gospel. But the offense willingly taken out of love for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are a sinful people. And yet we know what it's like to love something, someone. And you love us more than we could ever know. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you spare us from this pain. And we ask that you would work in us love for you. In your name I pray. Amen.